to come out and I want to hear some of your like least favorite or even favorite examples of wrong science in sci-fi. So there's there's a kind of mm. there's a group of answers which are basically to do with the behavior of things in in space. Tight turns of spaceships, faster than light travel, streamlined space vehicles, weirdly specific. <laughs> yes. Almost instantaneous acceleration, inertial dampers. Do you know you know sometimes quote tweets can be really passive aggressive. <laughs> inertial dampers, uh, explosions in space. Uh, it's the, do those things bother you? You some, some of the yeah. whooshing spaceship. Yeah, well, earlier. some of those bother me simply because they're so such silly mistakes. So the, the, the tight turning. But why is that impossible in space? There's no air resistance. Why can't you turn really tight? Well, I suppose, okay, I suppose you could put thrusters in the opposite direction. Okay, the streamlining then. <laughs> why the hell would you need to be streamlined if you're in the vacuum? You know, so, you, know you don't need to have, it's not like, you know, wind resistance and you've got to have the, the most uh, yeah. efficient way of, of traveling through empty space. That is a fair point. Although, you see, I'm also thinking of car designers I know who you go, that's a great car shape. Does that make okay, it really aerodynamic? Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. yes, that's absolutely why we made it that shape. So you can go up 30 miles an hour through <laughs> London looking really fast. And I suppose we've got to get up through the Earth's atmosphere, so we need to be streamlined yeah, yeah, for yeah, that yeah, reason. exactly. Although actually one of the other the objections was easy transition from being on a spaceship to walking about on a planetary surface. Well, that's just teleportation, right? Is that fine? Is teleportation fine? <laughs> um... Quantum teleportation is fine. <laughs> you can do that. You can teleport a quantum particle. What is that like? You, you, you're on a ship and we send you through two slits and you end up on the surface of the planet. What, you, what you'd have to do... Unluckily, your two halves yeah. have been... All the information contained within the trillions and trillions of atoms and particles that make up my body will have to be entangled with atoms of the equivalent elements down on the, on the, the planet's surface. And then using quantum teleportation, you can rebuild my replica down on the planet while destroying me on the spaceship. So it's quite complicated. I don't think Star Trek really, you know, tried very hard to sit, think this through. They didn't do the maths. But, but, but it's, it doesn't break any laws of physics, is, is the nice thing about it, even though it's highly improbable. Okay, what about time travel then? Ooh, yeah, well, time travel, again doesn't break any laws. Our best theory of the nature of time is Einstein's general theory of relativity. And that says time travel is, in principle, possible. In my view, only if we subscribe to the many worlds interpretation of, wait for it, quantum mechanics. <laughs> so if there are parallel universes, then in principle, in theory, we should be able to travel back in time because what's happening is that we'd be sliding into a parallel reality where we can affect the future there. So you don't get any other paradoxes of going back and killing your younger self. All right, because you just end up being in a different universe. You can, you can kill yourself in that universe. Okay. You know, which I don't know why you'd want to, but I mean, you know, if you did, it wouldn't lead to a paradox. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking this is, <laughs> this is a very nice kind of book-centered event because a lot of authors would have by this point said, uh, my new novel, Sunfall, about my new novel, 28 Sunfall. times. And you have not said it at all, but you have got quantum mechanics into almost everything. <laughs> I, I love Which quantum <laughs> mechanics more than I'm, I care about selling my new novel. And it's from the sound of it, it's weirder and, and less, <laughs> less likely. Okay, well, this is a couple of, a couple of objections here. 
Uh, and then I want to come out and hear some of your objections. These are quite interesting because perhaps they're not strictly wrong science, but they're quite interesting objections. One of them is applying humanoid stereotypes to aliens. And the other one is stories assume gender roles will be the same in the future or on other planets as they are here and now. Okay, well, yes. I mean, obviously, this, is, this, this doesn't apply to yours because yours is only 20 years and it's this world. Uh, so I don't, don't think that really applies. Yeah. But it is true that there are stories set, you know, 10,000 years yeah, in the and, future. And, and it's the same old... And, yeah, mysteriously, it's the female crew members who are still... Who are still making, making the, the tea. tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what I do like is it's the female characters in the book that are the strongest. What's nice is that I didn't... I don't think... Well, I must have done because I wrote it. But I don't think I deliberately had a conscious, made a conscious decision. So Shireen, the cyber hacker, is the most rounded exciting and interesting character and then the thing I discovered having you know written a novel for the first time is you get up to a point where your characters take on a three-dimensionality they take on a life of their own and so you sort of you want your character to be doing something and they will they'll say no that's not me I wouldn't do that you know and so, oh, okay to yourself what would you do then so you know so they, I'm, I, I'm quite pleased with the fact that my female characters end up being the strongest in the book and and uh, so you know I sort of don't haven't had to you know work at that's just how the story has has, has developed, but yeah I think it's uh, the, the best science fiction writers are the ones who shake you make you think about things that we we take for granted in society what is taboo and what isn't what we we assume is normal behaviour. And they, they push it and say, why would, why would this still be the way we think and the way we live our lives? So good science fiction does make us question the, the, these sorts of aspects. But certainly on the other point of why all aliens look like us, why they all have a, a head and two arms and two legs, little green men. Eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's obviously nonsense. I mean, Is it though? I mean, there is, a, there is a point of view, which is that if you were a life form that had evolved be intelligent you would need to there's certain things environment, you, yeah. you would need to have some extremities that you could use to manipulate objects and and you know and uh, you know the laws of physics are the same and so if you want to communicate you'd either communicate using electromagnetic field or vibrations of gas molecules by which i mean sight and sound um you know so so yes yeah, so you'd have some sort of light sensitive things eyes um, or, or, or ears in order to sort of send signals to each other to communicate through vibrating through an atmosphere. Uh, we know that life, alien life probably needs water. We know it needs uh, hydrocarbons. It's probably based on carbon because carbon is a very useful atom for bonding and making complicated molecules. We know it needs a heat source. We know it needs a certain amount of gravity and so on. So yes, you start to limit what life might look like but it still doesn't need two legs and it doesn't need, you know, the eyes above the nose. Or <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, we, we anthropomorphize because it's, it's a lazy way of doing things. Okay, on that note, uh, I'd, I'd like a quick round of your thoughts on bad science in science fiction films. And then I'm just going to open up and, and let you ask whatever questions you want or even your thoughts, but not your off-the-cuff explanations of the double split experiment. No, no, we don't. That's, that's Thank you. vetoing that here and now. You have to 
You have to email that to Jim like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> so we have some roving microphones. Uh, if you could wait for the microphone to get to you, stick your hand up. If I'm squinting, it's because the light's a bit difficult. Okay, we've got our hands, hands all ready? Just, stick just your hands up very behind, high because yeah. it's hard to see you. Okay, good, excellent. There. Hi. Uh, thank you very much. Very interesting. What are your thoughts on the fact that by the time we've gone out into space and are traversing the universe, obviously, for very science-based reasons. Um, we are living in a utopian place where back on Earth, we're all living peacefully, doing art, apparently, and there's no hunger and um, there are no issues. Um, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts about How that? likely is that, you mean? Yes. Post-Brexit. Yes, post-Brexit. <laughs> Post-Trump and everything Post -Trump. else. Post-Trump. Yes. Um, I'm an optimist. I always have been a glass-half-full person. And I think, I mean, certainly what's going to change the way we live our lives is artificial intelligence. And, and it's going to transform society more than the internet and the World Wide Web has. And that's not a thousand years in the future. That's decades away. Uh, and, and, and certainly, I think it's going to, we're going to get to the point where we are not going to need to work because everything will be automated. And therefore, we will, as a species, need to find other ways of giving our life purpose and other ways of, of spending our time. So, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly, you know, you see the ancient Greeks and the powerful Romans, the great empires, you know, the, the top levels of society, they could sit around playing music and eating grapes and whatever, but, you know, because they had an army of slaves to do everything for them. We'd have AI to, to do it. So I think it's possible. It's possible we'll come, come to our senses. I mean, you, sometimes, you know, you wake up in the morning and go on social media and you think, oh, well, everything's going backwards rather than forwards. But ultimately, I think, you know, if we don't destroy ourselves, we should, we should have a utopian society. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, ultimately we will want to explore beyond this planet. For now, this planet is the best place for humans to live by a very long way. Uh, we're not going to want to go and live, you know, f sorry, n inhabit some other distant planet, despite what Stephen Hawking said. Uh, I think there's still plenty more we can do staying here. So it's a good fixer upper, isn't it? We, we can still make this place good. We can we, still make we this. Move out yeah, we just you know tidy way. out behind you. You know it's that that <laughs> sort, that sort of thing. You know sort of you know recycle. Don't fly so much. And, you know don't use plastic bags. Fine. <laughs>